with Havala. This is, well, our weekly podcast where we get to have conversations around life and spiritual living and the practical things like parenting and marriage. And today, we're going to have one of those really practical conversations about sex and relationships. And if you know me and you've been following us a little bit, you'll know that we led an organization called Moral Revolution for six years where I talked about sex and sexuality and all the things for six years. And we handed that movement over to Cole and Caitlin Zick, and they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, But we really have never waned on our really desire to talk about healthy sexuality and to keep it on the forefront. You know, Ben and I have been married. We just celebrated our 15th year anniversary on Friday. And um, sex and the topic of sexuality has always been important to us. We've always had people in our lives that help us navigate that, whether that's a psychologist or a pastor or a friend. We just have always had people in our world. And so today, I felt like it would be important to not just talk about it off the cuff with Ben and I, but that I would invite a a new friend of ours, really, but somebody who is a sex and relationship coach, Rebecca, and I want to say her last name right, but you said you can't even say it right (laughs) half the time. So how do you pronounce, I want La Rob Erdier. How do you say it? La Robardier. (laughs) So close. And that is French. Yes. It's, do you know what percentage your husband is French? No. You don't? (laughs) I have deep envy inside of me. People have envy about people being Jewish or people being, you know, having some kind of Latin. French would be my envy, enviable. Yeah. And I'm Italian, so we kind of have a little similarity. But I think the French are just have maybe, I don't know if I want to say better food because the Italians Mm. do pretty well, but the French just have a really cool, cool country and wine and all the things. But Anyway, I'm really glad you're here. Why don't you tell us a little bit, maybe introduce yourself, let us know who you are, do you have children, you've been married, all the things. Yes. I am Rebecca, a sex and relationship coach. I have been married 16 years. We have three children, and I started on my journey to become a sex coach pretty much when I got home from our honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) but officially I've been a sex and relationship coach for about three and a half years Um, officially and then unofficially since we got married because we were youth leaders and Sam was a worship pastor and I worked with the women at our church before moving to Reading and this has always been a passion. One of the, I wasn't originally going, planning on getting married. I was going to be a missionary and take on the world alone. Oh, all right. Because <laughs> I didn't need a man. <laughs> but uh, I was actually in the Philippines at one point, and God said, hey, listen, if you actually want to do everything I've called you to, I have a man for you. Wow. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and so I went to Bible college, but still determined to be single, and Sam wooed me well. He did? He did. <laughs> Where was this Bible college? So it was in Rochester, New York, a little town called Is Lima. Is it Elam? It's Elam. <gasps> that's yep. amazing. I did not know that you were at Le- Elam. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's actually where we met. And so my thought was like, okay. If I am going to get married, I was most excited about sex because, you know, I'm going to do everything right, (laughs) but I really was excited about having sex. And then you do everything Uh right as a Christian, and 
it kind of blew up in our faces because there's lack of information, lack of education, lack of, and so then you go into marriage believing that because you kept everything pure and holy and right, God's going to bless it, and it's going to be 4th of July, (laughs) and it wasn't, and and so when we got home from our honeymoon, I was like, this isn't okay. I should be having the best sex ever, because God created it as a gift, and for women, the clitoris, the only purpose <laughs> is for pleasure. Okay? Right. And so I was like, why is it not working the way I had anticipated? Mm-hmm. Because my expectations were very high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very prudish until marriage. Yes. <laughs> very. Yes, you were the good girl. I was I was the good girl. Mm-hmm. Sam's my first boyfriend, first hand holding, first anything. Yep. And the kiss was a prelude to a ring. A yes. lit- I was I was right. a little <laughs> Right. I was true. No, and I don't think that was way off, specifically in the church culture, that wasn't no, way off. It wasn't. And I wasn't willing to waste time, energy, and emotion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had I had a few issues that loving someone was a sign of weakness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so I, we had a few things to work through. But once we got married and realized, okay, this isn't what either of us anticipated. I started my journey of researching and educating myself and anyone else that wanted to know. <laughs> so that that's what pushed us into it. And then we had children, and once our, I wanted to raise them myself. I didn't want to send them to daycare. I didn't want to. And so I kind of researched a little bit, but I just set it on the back burner. And then when our youngest went to kindergarten, I started school the week before he went to school. Wow. And so we've all been in school the whole time together. That is incredible. And what is your, is it a degree or or certification? What is it in? So I'm a certified sex and relationship coach. I have a bachelor's in psychology and I'm in another school um, that is focused on pleasure and sex. Yes. And I love that feels like the world has really jumped in and grabbed that that mm-hmm. topic faster than the church could. I think yeah. um, having led an organization with these topics, there is so much confusion and so much heartache mm-hmm. and so many um, people that are, are confused. And we would get emails regularly from people that have that exact thing. I did it all right. I did what you, I was told to do. I did it because I wanted to do it right. And now I'm stuck with a sex life that's either non-existent or not pleasurable. It just feels like a letdown. It feels like I got sold yep. and, and tricked into this moment. And I think one thing that was really eye-opening to me is we are not as married people, or I guess I'd say whoever's having sex, but specifically in marriage, because anybody can have sex. And we always mm-hmm. get caught up in, you can, you know, you can have a sex life outside of being married. The only reason we really do it in marriage and really we want that to be the overall reason is because God wanted to protect one of the most powerful things that we've ever had, mm-hmm. which is sex. And there's a lot of things that happen when it comes to sex and intimacy. There is not just an exchange of the heart, but there's a, a, a chemical and hormonal exchange where mm-hmm. we begin to take ownership of someone else and we begin to give away ownership of ourselves without ever saying a word. There is a physical exchange and a biological logical exchange. And then we believe as believers, there's a, uh, uh, a, a relational, but almost a 
theological exchange of hearts and purpose and all those things. So we, I think it's really unique, but I think that there's a lot of pain. And when it comes to sex, I found, I don't know if this is how you found, but there's either people that are like, let's talk about, I'm in, yes. Mm-hmm. And then other people that are like, I would never say sex out loud. I can't yep. believe we're talking about it. Do you find that's true with Absolutely. you reach? Okay. Absolutely. Like I have, I'll have clients that they won't even say the word to their husband. Yes. And so the whole thing that we work on is just getting comfortable talking about it before you're actually having sex. Yes. Let's let's get comfortable with the topic, the conversation, and just it, it's kind of a rewiring of your neural pathways. Of, it is. And just familiarizing yourself with a word or a concept. And being open. What percentage of people would you say struggle with their sex life? After they, you know, when they start having sex, what percentage of would you say, maybe I should maybe bring it down a little bit too, maybe a married couple mm-hmm. who's who, how many of them are dealing with it not being what they thought it would be rather than having this euphoric moment? Honestly, I've yet to meet a couple that it met their expectations from day one. Wow. But- I hope you guys caught that. <laughs> Did you hear that? So it's rare that it was the first moment, their first encounter was everything they had hoped. But that also goes, it's, your sex life is fluid. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that if it was awesome, it doesn't always stay. Because our lives evolve. Yes. And we have children. We buy houses. We start new jobs. We get jobs. We build a business. And so your sex life ebbs and flows with your life. And so being able to communicate that will help take the pressure off. Because... Yeah. When it gets difficult or I don't want it, we just quit talking because as long as I can sneak away and don't actually call it what it is, then that's the problem opposed to, hey, I'm just stressed or I don't feel connected or I don't believe that I'm beautiful or I'm worth it or whatever it is. We just blame it all on sex. Like sex isn't working. Sex isn't working. But that may not be the issue, but that becomes the scapegoat. It does. And I would, I don't think anyone ever spoke about this. And I would agree with you, Rebecca, that, you know, I had four kids in five years in the first five years of my marriage. So my sex life really altered because Mm -hmm. there was months of healing. There was months of nursing. There was months of uh, morning sickness. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And so this is why we want to be committed to somebody for life is because if it's just about you showing up and you producing what I've always wanted, then there's not going to be somebody who's in it for life. It's Mm -hmm. a sex sexual moment. It's not a sex life. And I think statistically they find that people that have a sex life with somebody good or bad, um, are in it for, for the long run. There is a more sexual pleasure that happens Mm -hmm. from the outcome of that. Is that true? What you have found in your own Absolutely, absolutely. Because especially for women, men don't have as much trouble with the pleasure aspect. (laughs) Uh, Women, women do. And we get in our heads and our heads determine whether or not, not, not completely, um, the amount of pleasure. And we will allow a man, our husband, to love us to the extent that we love ourselves, mm. And if we don't believe that we're worth the time, energy, and effort, or I've got this to-do list, we 
things shift and yes. say, okay, I'm done. Yes, we do. Right? Yes. And and so it's it's recognizing and it's in my practice it's very common for the women to just not believe that they're beautiful, body image comes into it or it's not believing. Off, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And so but their husbands think they are the most beautiful women in the world, but they invalidate their husband and say, Oh, you have to say uh -huh. that because you're, you're my husband. Right. You know, and and it's an invalidation of their truth and because they they actually or we yeah. don't want to actually look inward and say hey why am i not believing the truth about myself why am i allowing the lies like you had a, a prompt that was about the lies that people believe yeah. and we lead into them because it's familiar and comfortable and as long as we can stay there we don't have to grow um what about, do people, um, if they experience a lie, what if they say, but I was taught that. Like, I was around, you know, I, I didn't have trust issues until mm -hmm. I had trust issues. Or I didn't have uh, a lack of confidence in my body until someone said something. Mm -hmm. Is that, do you find that it's linked to a negative situation often? That somebody has that experience of their body? Or is Absolutely. it more just cultural? It's both and. Okay. Some people, it's they can pinpoint, hey, I was golden until this point in time. Okay. And from that point, it just went downhill. Or with certain people. And others, it is a cultural thing because you're raised, some women are raised that you don't leave the house if you're not dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. And it's appalling to see you in workout clothes. Yeah. And and so it's it's recognizing that your perspective is not always beneficial or helpful. And yeah. so that's one of the first things that I'll talk about with women especially is your belief system helpful or hurtful because we get to choose what we believe. How much of this is going I'm going to go right to it, but how much of what we believe affects our orgasm? Is it the predominant thing is it, is it is it orgasm really a mental thing or is it a physical? Like what percentage both it. and. It's both and. It is both and. So we have hormones, and our cycle will also determine at times how quickly we can orgasm yep. or if we can at all at certain times because our head space, our body space. And so there, there are times where, like, this is very pleasurable, right. but it's not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's okay as long as it is not an excuse to not get you there. Does that make sense? Yes, and I think for men, their concept of orgasm and and climax and all the stuff mm -hmm. is very different than to a woman, and it's hard to explain Absolutely. to a man that's not what all that is for me. I know you get the big ending in in terms of a visible experience, yes. but what was happening internally as a woman may be a big experience you just didn't get to see it. Yes, is that true? It is true. And the, the hard, so I find often that the couples, when couples come in, he wants to make sure she orgasms every time because yes. if he doesn't, he's let down. Yes. And so why would she not want to? And so then she feels the pressure. I have to perform for my husband, yep. which then she's now in her head because right. she's doing it for him, and not, not being for honest. her. And you're exactly. not being honest. And he, he's believing that his manhood is wrapped up in him getting her there. And so they've both taken on stories that are not helpful to their sex life. Wow. They've both taken on stories that are not helpful. 
that's that's profound. Mm-hmm. And so how if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, I'm experiencing some of what you're talking about. How do they start to identify the stories that they've told themselves? And how do they know if it's good or bad? So a bad story is easy to spot because there's a problem. Okay. Sort of. Because, so let's say you're laying in bed and you, you just had sex and you're like, okay, that was fine. And she's discouraged because she didn't meet his expectation. And we take on each other's, if, if you don't make me happy, then I failed. Mm-hmm. And, and so when that becomes the storyline, that's the problem. Because I have no control over your happiness. Yeah, very true. Right? And so if I take that on, then I'm discouraged because I've failed and I'm not enough to make you happy. And you're just not happy. And then you feel bad because you made me feel bad. And then we spiral. And so it's recognizing that I am in control of my sex life and you're in control of your sex life and we get to bring them together. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it might be slightly off topic, but this is one of the biggest issues that I find in Christian couples that come to me is, you know, the girls are raised to be pure mm-hmm. and they want to do everything right. And then they give their sexuality to their husbands and say, figure me out. <laughs> okay? And it's, it's yours. It's my it's gift. <laughs> I give to you. Uh-huh. And they have <laughs> never taken responsibility or ownership for their own sexuality, their own femininity, and their own sex life. And so they come to me discouraged because it's not, neither of them are happy because he doesn't know how to please her because she doesn't know what pleases her. Mm-hmm. And so without her taking ownership, she never has to feel responsible. Yeah. She just feels like disappointed. disappointed one and the one with the problem because she doesn't know, but she's not willing to take ownership. That is excellent. Well, and they would say, and I've, I've heard a lot of women say, I was taught to be the good girl, so how mm-hmm. do I switch from b- being wrong to right within 24 hours? That's kind of what they, we expect people to do. Absolutely. So how do we start to figure out, you know, without me violating my purity because that's kind of what I think you process is like I want to do it before God but how do I figure it out how do I know what's good what I enjoy and what I want in a way and I I don't know I mean I could almost answer myself but that without leading it to a, a negative story versus a positive story how do we flip the script in our in our minds so first off like for our children my goal is for them to never see sex as good or bad it is a gift that God gave us at the beginning. I'm going to take you back to the beginning. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when God created the world, Adam and Eve, it was all good. And he gave sex to us as a gift, but also for procreation. And when God gives a gift, he gives it without repentance. And so we'll take rape and molestation off the table. That I'm not talking yes. about that. But sex is never bad. But there's an appropriate time and place. It's like if I wanted to give you a winter jacket in the middle of July in Reading, you don't get to reap the benefits of the gift, right? But if I give it to you at Christmas, you actually get to reap the benefits of the gift I gave you. It did not make it a bad gift. Yeah. It just, you didn't get to reap the benefits. Which, which not to pause you, but this Mm -hmm. is the issue is, 
when people have sex outside of marriage, then they're like, well, it didn't feel bad. It was okay. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Or yeah, I mean, I obviously have repercussions of heartache or whatever, Absolutely. you know, there are real things, but the idea that sex is bad or unenjoyable, mm-hmm. I think can really mess with people's heads. Absolutely. Yeah. And so my stance is sex is not bad. There's no good or bad. Yeah. It's not right or wrong. It is a gift that we get to choose to use at the appropriate time and place. And so if you're having sex prior to marriage without the commitment, without someone that's going to be with you for the long haul because yeah. you have your ups and downs, yeah, you do. there's, there's a vulnerability that you just exposed to someone that doesn't value the, the gift that you're sharing. And so, so that's, to answer your question, that was a very long I answer. No, I love it. But that's my stance. <laughs> well, and I love that. I mean, we, you obviously have three kids in the house. I have four mm-hmm. boys in the house. Um, I grew up in a home that um, sex was very much celebrated. I, amazingly enough, my parents um, had, you know, sex lives before they got married. My dad lived with his girlfriend, and then my mom was married before and lost her husband. So I knew going into my childhood, and they had, gotten saved, given their life to Christ and saved, you know, sex for marriage up until that point, got married. And then, uh, we're very open about the realities of having sex outside of marriage. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a negative, horrible story. It was just kind of like, you're going to save yourself from a lot of regret. And I have a lot of, and they, they turned it on themselves. I have a lot of pain and regret from that. Yeah. Um, but they weren't descriptive of their stories. I didn't know names. I didn't know details. That wasn't the important part. The point that I felt helped as an adult woman now is that they were just honest all the way around. And I think for some of us, and I know parents get stuck in the, I don't know what to tell my kids. And I don't know, I want to believe, I want, you know, I remember this is like a classic (laughs) story. We um, had this book called good picture, bad picture. It's Mm -hmm. about pornography and teaching our kids. And we sat down with our eldest son and Ben and I are on the bed and we're telling, we're reading the story to him. And he's, I think he's like seven, maybe eight. We're explaining about good picture, bad picture. And when we explain bad picture, he looks at my husband and goes, well, you've never seen the bad picture, have you? And (laughs) I was like, we both froze. Like, uh uh-oh, like this is, we didn't expect this to to flip on us. And so Ben was very, he's, I have, but you know, that's not the point. This moment, we're just going to talk about what we do when we see it. But it was just one of those moments where I think we all have this, I don't want my kids to know the truth, but there is a time and a place for our kids to know that sex is a gift. It's mm-hmm. created. We can have it or not have it. Yep. God isn't going to send down lightning if we do, and he's not going to take everything good from us if, if we do. But there is, like you said, a time and space for the gift. And I love that idea of teaching our kids. Um, now, my, I'm curious, I think, and again, this is that whole ah, bad theology <laughs> that we've gotten into, which is if I don't tell them it's bad, then they're going to do it. And that's, I think, the weird part of, mm. you know, if we teach our kids it's bad and so don't do it, and then we flip the script and say, now you're married, it's good, we're, we're teaching our kids some really negative yeah. things. So how do we keep our kids from having sex outside of marriage if we're just teaching that it's a gift? Well, it's, it's more than a gift. And so with ours, we talk about the relationship, that sex is for a relationship with someone that you love and you and so it's not just a flippant act it's not don't have sex it's it's encapsulated in how are you doing your relationships why why do you want to have sex with someone Mm -hmm. 
and and go at it that way instead of it being just don't until you're married yeah. it's a okay tell me more there's a curiosity and an openness to discuss the feelings and the emotions and recognizing they're going to be teenagers and they have hormones and if you're not feeling turned on at some point right there might be something wrong right. with you because <laughs> their our bodies are designed to go through these changes and hormonal changes and it's part of life and it's supposed to be I don't like the word supposed to be never mind let's <laughs> back up it is it's one of those things that is it just is that right. that's the way God created us and so we put so much shame and guilt on feeling turned on prior to marriage especially in the church and I grew up in the church I've been a Christian since I was five right but there's there's it's so taboo because in my opinion, shame comes from fear and control and because I need to control you because I'm afraid of the ramifications. Mm -hmm. And so if we take away the control we, and take away the fear, there's no shame. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And so it, it becomes a fluid story and a dialogue. And we talk about it at the table or wherever they'll be like mom what about this or <laughs> and, and and so we just we have these conversations that could be awkward but I'm familiar with awkward yeah. and <laughs> I'm like I'm not shy I'm awkward not shy <laughs> well you Rebecca you and I are similar in that way because I do talk to our boys if they bring it up mm -hmm. I'm gonna talk about it yep. I'm not there to embarrass them I'm gonna do it almost as a matter of fact like, yep. this is what that is, and this is how it works, without shame, but without emotion behind mm -hmm. it that leads the witness. Yes. I don't want to lead the witness in, let's mm -hmm. whisper this and be afraid yeah. of it, or let's get super excited and act like it's it just, this is what it is. Just and whatever, is. Yeah, yeah, just, this is what it is. Okay, I have a couple questions. I know okay. we are, I could literally talk to you for three hours, but, <laughs> um, so for somebody who um, has walked through trauma or had something in their past, and they're trying to have a healthy, godly sex life, what's the first thing that they need to do to start getting healing? So there's a few different things. Like if it's trauma from molestation, rape, that is a whole thing in and of itself. And that needs, my recommendation would be see a therapist, yeah, see someone, see a professional. If it is just, not just, if it is... Um, body image if it's shame if it's guilt if it is the culture because cultures play a huge role in your belief about sex and sexuality okay. uh, and you can look at if you go to brazil the philippines europe anywhere else we we have very different dynamics in our portrayal of sexuality femininity masculinity and it's recognizing who are you marrying and what are the discrepancies between the two belief systems? Because a lot of times That's things excellent. don't come up until they're married with someone that had a different belief system that they didn't realize. Oh, so we're both Christians. We both want to do it right. And that's all. That wow. was the conversation. But now we actually have to get into the nuances of this is culturally acceptable for us and this is culturally that's or really even good. even church like whatever it is this is where i st stand even church in. culture even church from. culture yeah, and excellent a lot a lot of church culture is different like they have they the are. similar similarities 
but they are so different. And so we go into marriage believing mm -hmm. we're on the same page when we're actually reading two different books. That is so profound. I mean, that's like sex, relationship, love, life, Everything. all of it. That is so incredible. And I think that's the help of meeting with a pastor or pre-marriage counseling or after post-marriage counseling and yes. is having a third party that require, not requires, but encourages you to tell the story that you've mm -hmm. believed so that they can show you where your stories don't line up yep. and show you where you might have a, a lack of learning or a gap. And for me, at least for me, because I'm an Enneagram 7, I don't, I am one of those, I need to hear myself say it for me to even know that I believe it. Right. And so as a, I have a counselor, if I can say it out loud, I start to go, oh, I guess that's, that doesn't make sense oh, or that's yeah. really wrong, wrong thinking, but I wouldn't be able to do that on my own. It really requires that. And, you know, I guess I just, I know there's a lot of stigma against counseling and, you know, therapists and all that. You know, one of the things I think we recommend here at TTT is just, we want a Christian therapist, somebody that has the same belief system, doesn't have to be exactly what you believe, doesn't mm -hmm. have to be ex from your church or anything like that. We just want someone to at least respect your faith and respect that you see God as the all-powerful lordship in your life and how to respect that. And you just need someone who can acknowledge that and respect that in your journey. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, you know, not all counselors are created the same. And so you really, it's a relationship with somebody that you build and there's got to be trust and mm -hmm. there has to be um, authority in that area in their life to help you. And so that's why having a counselor that's connected to sex and sexuality or trauma, um, it, you know, depending on what it is or relationships or male or female or whatever, you just have to do your work and figure out who is best for that. And don't believe the lie that you always are going to be on your own in this. There are people that have given their lives to these topics. And just like I'm anointed to preach the word, I think there are people anointed to take you in this experiences and help you get healing, wholeness, freedom all the things that are there. So Rebecca, uh, one other thing I have a question about, and that is how does somebody have a better sex life? Like what's a couple tips that you would say if somebody wants a better sex life, how do they do that? And my husband's in the room, so go ahead and talk loud. No, I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I would say communication. Being willing to talk about it mm -hmm. without judgment, criticism, or... Um, you should do this. There's none of that. Because as soon as we start saying, well, you should do this or this or th as soon as the shoulds come uh -huh. into the room, uh -huh. we put up our defenses because we are exposed in our sex life. We are exposing everything yes, we are. and we get triggered a lot in the bedroom. Not that I encourage keeping it to the bedroom <laughs> because I don't, <laughs> but we're going to use that as a um so when we can come to each other or I'm gonna do a long story yeah go for it <laughs> so we get triggered by our spouses often is my guess or not maybe not often yeah. but we get triggered yeah. and we get triggered by them but it wasn't the first time we had that trigger and so allowing our spouse to be the Jesus with skin on it to bring healing because we can't, we were built for community. We were built yeah. for connection. Yeah. And if we are unwilling to lean into that trigger with our spouse, they, they almost represent the disconnect from childhood. Wherever that trigger started, mm -hmm. there was something in our subconscious that said they can help restore the connection. Wow. 
And so at times we forget that they actually get to be part of our healing process. And everyone says, you need to do your work. You need to do your work. But we choose our spouse so that we get to do the work together. And we get to become the best versions of ourselves. Yes, we do our own work because they're doing their own work also. And so we get to be the best versions of ourselves together. And so I've we lean into that like trigger. That. that is so profound that they, we subconsciously, I would even see the hand of God in it in some ways, mm -hmm. but we, we get to pick somebody to do this with us and they get to represent Christ. They get to represent unconditional love. They get to represent it's time to heal, whatever. Not that we put pressure on them to be what they can't be, but it's really interesting because we've, I've said it before. We, God gives us our kids. He picks our parents for us the one key relationship we will ever get to choose is our spouse. So it's just profound how you're saying we've done that because we believe they're part of our healing journey. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense. And it, okay. it actually makes me respect my husband more and want to bring him in on it when mm -hmm. I see it like that yeah. rather than it's my own thing. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So communication is key. So communication and leaning into the triggers instead of withdrawing because when we feel triggered, we want to back away and protect ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so recognizing, okay, I'm triggered and lean into the trigger with them. And you're on the same page. And you're it's so you're scary. It's it is so very scary, scary when you say, when you reached out for me, I felt like I was, I was fat and I didn't like my body and I didn't yeah. want you to touch that part of me. And mm -hmm. then I felt like I'm not who I want to be. Or, you know, I felt like at the, in the middle of this intimate moment, I felt like you wanted me to do something and I didn't know how to do it. And I got embarrassed. It's scary when we get triggered. I'm yeah. not saying those are real no, life things in my world, although they have been, true. but it's yeah. really scary when you, when someone sees all of you and you have nothing left other than, I mean, they got it all. Yep. And then to go, I don't know what to do to fix what you got. Like, I don't know how to yeah. do this. So what? how does somebody overcome the anxiety and fear of, I don't know how to not be triggered? How do I lean into being triggered rather than run away from being triggered? So I'm, in, I'm a countertype social eight on the Enneagram. Okay. All right. so, so my thought is like, well, if you're afraid of it, go head on. Like, just <laughs> do it. That is so, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. Lean into the punch. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, and I know it's not that black and white for most people because I, and I understand anxiety. I understand stress. I understand fear, insecurities. I, I get it. Sure. I have them. Yes. But for me, I like to twist the negatives into a positive. I was like, all right. So I can, I can beat this thing. And it becomes a challenge for me, not against my spouse, not against That's Sam, really but it's okay. Am I willing to rise to the challenge? Because my goal, so when we first got married and everything was difficult, my goal was to go through it well so that I can help other people do it well. And so sometimes I need external motivation mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I wasn't enough to do it well for myself. Yep. And so in yep. my head, I was like, if I do this well, I will be able to help others that's come through really the good. same thing well. And that's that, my it's goal. a profound motivator. That has mm -hmm. been, that key has been huge in my life. When I don't feel like I can do it or don't want to do it, mm -hmm. I go to who's waiting for me on the other side of this. Yeah. And that is a profound, and sometimes it's my kids. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as I want my kids to have a whole family. Yeah. Or I want my kids to see women as healthy sexual beings and not some 
private, prudish woman that never looks sexual. You know, nope. not that they would look at me that, but just I want them to marry, be allowed to marry a woman, and and just the things I'll fight for. And, yeah. and and be willing to put myself out there for the sake of the story is yeah. huge. Yeah. Is huge. Yeah. Um, okay. So how do people find you and what, what do we do next? Is there, I guess I could ask if they aren't in town or aren't local, is there a specific book that you recommend that people, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but is there anything specifically you recommend them reading, watching, hearing in terms of healthy sexuality? So... It's not about sexuality, but there's a book called Getting the Love You Want or yes. Need by Dr. Yes. Harville and what's her name? I'm going to look. I'll have the yes. team look it up right now. So it's Getting the Love You Probably Want yes. or Need. It's one of those words. <laughs> we'll look it up right now. I might have it in my bag, actually. And it, it's talking all about how your um, spouse is, you know, helps restore the connection. Yes. And our, I believe most, many of our sex life issues, uh, um, so it's Getting the Love You Want by Dr. Harville Hendricks and Helen McKelly Hunt. And that's on Amazon. So you on guys can Amazon. Grab that. Yeah. And, and we'll throw it in the show notes. Perfect. Um, so that is one of my favorites because when you are not, so your sex life is a barometer of what's going on other places. And so if you're disconnected in life, I haven't seen you in days and yeah. life goes on and I'm busy, you're busy, our, our sex dwindles slightly. And then you get nitpicky and you frustrate me or I'm triggered more because you haven't had the time, you haven't chosen to take the time to connect. And I do think having a thriving sex life is all about choosing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just happen. You have to be just as intentional about your sex life as you did about dating, as That's you really are good. about work, because it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. And if you don't want to be bored, like people will come and say, it's boring. I was like, because you've chosen mm -hmm. not to explore. You've mm -hmm. chosen not to be curious. You've chosen not to ask, mm -hmm. what can I do to please you best? I totally agree with that. What can I do to please you? And I think that's excellent. And, um, yeah, I, I think at least specifically for women, our sex, sex always begins outside of the bedroom. It's always in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But also for the man, if he wants to please a woman, it's got to start outside of the bedroom. You can't be at that moment, do you like this? Do you want me to do this? Women aren't made to tell you. I mean, we can tell you a few things, but if you really want to know what we really think, you got to take the time to actually warm us up and ask. And, um, yeah, I have a, I have a good husband that's been willing to learn with me and we both were virgins. We got married and I, so I so relate to the story. Um, but I also, I think I did not understand the longevity of sex and, and, and relationship and how it would ebb and flow and grow mm -hmm. and how it would be even more fun 15 years later but not for the reasons I would have thought, not for the, right. wow, we just got, our technique has just gotten better and better. It has, but it's more that my love and trust and commitment and fun and enjoyment has grown to the yeah. point where if it's not good, we can try tomorrow. And that is just fantastic. And I know what he likes and he knows mm -hmm. what I like. And I, I feel like that's what makes marriage and sex so fun is I'm not, he's, I'm not having to teach him, okay, do this and do that. It's like he knows, and if he wants to get me there, he can do that. And that yeah. is so rewarding. And we both walk out feeling like that was great. And you know, you're known. We're like known. Someone 
with the time, energy, and effort to say, you matter. Yes. And mm-hmm. we've even said, you know, uh, you know, babe, I'm my medication's making me feel weird. It's just not you. It's not yeah. because like, you can't get me there. Or, you know, are you stressed about something else because you haven't pursued me? What's going on? And you really start to see the person as a holistic being and not mm-hmm. just a, a moment yeah. to get that need met. So, Rebecca, yeah. thank you so much. If you guys are in Reading or if you live in the vicinity or would even be willing to take a trip in, um, you can get a hold of Rebecca. We will throw all that information. Um, and you do Zoom calls. And you do Zoom calls. Yes. Even fantastic. So, um, yeah, if you are interested in wanting to have a conversation with Rebecca, you, your spouse, uh, really, this is a fantastic um, connection and we will throw all that information there's no is your practice called a specific thing or is it just under your so name it's under my name uh but i do have a website it's rjl coaching r l rjl sorry <laughs> that's my dyslexia <laughs> rjl coaching and we'll make sure and link all that as well Perfect. rebecca thank you for coming on here i love your courage and i love your journey i love that you invested your life in this i just see such profound Um, value in it so thank you thank you thank you for coming you look beautiful I know you guys can't see her but she looks stunning in this cobalt blue dress and we were laughing because we get most of our fashion on Amazon the good stuff and her and I totally agreed on that so if you're at home with Havila I'll try and link her dress so you guys can get that as well anyway I love you guys uh one last thing please don't forget to leave us a review I know every every podcast I listen to they talk about it and I'm like really come on But what you don't often understand is people can't find your podcast unless it has more reviews and more stars and it just puts it at the top of the list so that people can find it. So if you enjoyed this and you would like others to find this podcast, the best thing you can do for us is leave us a review, leave us some stars, and we read each and every one of those reviews. So thank you for doing that. Other than that, I'll see you uh, most days I'm on socials. And uh, next week, we're going to continue on with our relationship series. All right, you guys. See you next time.